Hey, this is Barbara Corcoran. You are now tuned in to Business Unusual. And everything you ever learned about business, throw it out the window. I'm going to tell you the real deal. Listen in. Today, I'm going to answer all your burning questions about work, life, starting a company, getting on track, and much, much more. Be sure to call in to the Business Unusual hotline with your question at 888-BARBARA. That's 888-B-A-R-B-A-R-A. This episode is presented by my friends at Clavio. That's K-L-A-V-I-Y-O. Hey, you're about to hear a great interview by the Bachelor fan favorite, Jason Tardick. What's so cool about this guy is he's so open. He's on a traditional path in life, successful by anyone's standards, and just decides, I'm going to shake it up a bit, makes a single phone call, and totally changes his life, both personally and professionally. Listen to his story. There's something to be learned. So welcome, Jason. I'm so happy to have you here today, really. You're even better looking than I remembered. (laughs) Barbara always makes me blush. It's so good to be back here. Thank you for having me on your pod. Come (laughs) on. I don't think anybody makes you blush. (laughs) But I'll start at an oddball point. I hear you're a big Buffalo Bills fan, right? Huge. Huge. Why? Why? It's not your hometown. (laughs) What happened there? Well, you know what? I actually, so I did, I've been all over the map. Most people don't even know that actually is where I grew up. I grew up in a suburb outside Buffalo. So I was there for about 18 years. And then after that, that was, you know, I love Buffalo, but time to get out. And so since then, you know, my parents have lived in uh, Charlotte, Atlanta, Dallas. My brother's been in New York city ever since leaving Buffalo from 18. Mm. Um, and I've been in Ohio, Seattle, all over the place. And now, now Nashville. Yeah. So we, our family is, I I call us modern family because I have a a Jewish mother, Catholic father, gay brother, and we're all over the place, (laughs) But but we all love each other to death. And, uh, so that's why I'm a Bills fan. So it's been, uh, but, been but a good ride. But I'd be ride. curious if I could ask you about that because uh, I grew up in the same house until I was 23 and moved out after I finished college. And okay. that's what everybody did in my hometown. I don't think anybody saw the other side of the Hudson River, really. But what <laughs> happens with a family like that? Does it bring you closer together or is it uh, upsetting because you have to make new friends everywhere you travel to? How does a kid handle that? I would think it would be a rough way, to, a really rough way to grow up. Yeah. I mean, so like from 18 on, I was so close minded. I thought my whole life, I'm going to live in Buffalo. And then I think as a, you know, seeing my brother take, you know, just take a shot and go to New York city and it work out for him. And then seeing my parents kind of, you know, work, they were all both in corporate America. And so they, you know, they took advances. And as a result, I saw the impact it had on their happiness and also our family. It expanded my horizon. So I think I grew at such an accelerated rate because I was exposed to new places. I wasn't stuck in my little Buffalo bubble. I was exposed to new people, new places, new ideas. You can pick up and move. And it created like an independent um, situation uh, that just like has, I think, kind of shaped me to who I am. So it's been, it was a good ride. And also easier for you to make friends in any new circumstance. You walk in and you can connect with people and make them your friends just like that. It shows you that you you kind of have to be resilient and adaptable. I mean, there's funny stories. Like when I moved to Seattle, I didn't know one person. So I would like go to a bar and I'd, I'd like make up a lie. I would take a beer. I'd like buy a bunch of guys. I'm like, oh, I could tell I'd like those guys. I'd buy a beer and be like, Hey, someone said they bought you this beer. I don't know what this is about. Like, make it like, like literally, I'm doing icebreakers to hang out with guys, and I'm as straight as they come. But I, we did it, and it worked. Why <laughs> not? You, you figure your own thing, right? <laughs> exactly. So you gotta before, sell. 
Before you became famous, I, and I don't think I use that word too freely, you became famous because of the show, The Bachelorette, right? Uh, when you were working as a banker, I can't visualize you for a minute as, an, as a banker. You were there till you're 30 years old, right? Mm -hmm. And then you yeah. left the bank and tell us that little story, but, but start with telling me, uh, how did you survive as a banker? You don't look like one, you're not boring. You seem too loose to be a banker. Every banker I know is a little bit on the boring side. Did you know you were on the wrong career path? You did well, or did you think you were doing just fine? You know, I think that's a good question. It's fun because I'm going to take that question, go back to my bankers who think they are exciting and fun and be like, so you guys aren't, wake up. Um, but I think like the true answer is like, if you peel the onion back, if you think about like, how did I get into banking? I think the problem is, is that I was always two by the book. I was two by curriculum. I did kind of like what this, like this world, I call it like this blueprint, like kind of tells us what to do. Go to college, from college, get an internship. And what did all my peers do? They were accountants. They went to go into finance, banking, or consulting. That's what they did. So mm -hmm. I thought that's what you have to do. And unfortunately for me, what I think is cool when you study a lot of people who find a ton of success in weird ways, like I think about um, the gentleman who started Etsy, mm -hmm. he did the opposite. He didn't go by the curriculum. He found out what he was good at. And as a result, mm -hmm. the guy failed at He failed at everything. Every subject in high school and college, he failed at, but art, A+. Plus. So at a quick age, he was able to identify his strengths where for me, I feel like the curriculum's in place. Like you, you take these classes, you have to get certain grades. So I just found ways to do it. Not that I liked it, not that I even enjoyed it. I just found ways to meet the expectation of the curriculum. And I think that's how I got stuck in banking for 10 years. I think I'm like, how did I do that for 10 years? Cause I never loved it, mm -hmm. but it was, it was what I thought I was supposed to do. Take the promotions, move when I was told until like probably the most 2020 thing ever to say uh, a reality show came across my table and that's what like broke my thinking process which is crazy ask backwards no not at all uh, jason what did, what was your idea then were you looking for something else to do were you looking for fame were you looking for a wife i mean or was it just like hey sign up for this and let's see what happens i mean was it by design or just potluck that it changed the course of your career yeah, that's, um, it's funny because when you ask, so Caitlin was the bachelorette, you ask her and she's like, oh, I strictly did it as a business move. Like I went on that show to build, build a platform and take me to the next thing. I For me, you know, so that's what she said. And she owns that. For me, I was so, what happened is I think in life, you never know what relationships or events could change your direction, right? And so the, any advice to people out there with that, I would say just relentlessly be yourself and show your true colors. And for me, I showed my true colors at this event. It's called the Gilda's Club Bachelor Auction, okay? Mm -hmm. So they raise this money. It all goes to charity for the Gilda's Club for families undergoing cancer treatment. And they get bachelors up there and get to dance your ass off. And they, people bid on you to go on a date. So I came out the old time rock and roll. I had an American flag. I was like, let's go, you know, get the crowd going. And I, for whatever reason, the video that night, because that was a success night, I raised the most money or whatever, got sent to ABC. You're and kidding. That's how that happened? That's how that happened. And the event wow. was March 2017. I didn't get a call from, from The Bachelor until it was like October. At this time, I didn't even live in Rochester. So they called me. And first of all, they left a voicemail. 
and I thought it was fraudulent. I'm like, oh, okay, they want me to send them all this information about my whole life, like yes, sleep, yes. bachelor, but and long story short. you knew short. about the show? Did you know about the show then? Did you know the, that it was so, so successful and this was something great that was going to happen? Sure. I knew, I knew like what the show was. And that's when I said to myself, I have nothing to lose. So that was my whole thing. Like I'm 29, I've run the gamut. I just moved 3000 miles for work and I'm miserable on paper. It all makes sense, but deep down I'm miserable. Why not give it a shot? Now I didn't know how the whole social media thing works and how you can build this platform and what could come from it. I had, I don't know, like two posts on Instagram and like 300 followers. I just had no idea. So for me, it was a shot in the dark. And did I, Barbara, did I think I was going to go on The Bachelorette and find my wife? No. But uh, did I think like, no. you know what? What the hell? Why not? Like I, by the, I've done 30 years by the book. When else am I going to get a chance to go on The Bachelorette? Let's do it. <laughs> what would you say, Jason, to so many people? Because I would say two out of three uh, mature people I know who are on a certain track in life are not happy with their career. And yet they feel so stuck. They feel like they can't really jump tracks and do something else. What would you say? Because you alluded to you weren't very happy in that career. Uh, mm -hmm. Without the bachelorette coming along and without you doing that charity event, do you think you would have had the courage to jump off and get on a different track? Or you think just fate intervened? I would like to think that I would have, but if I'm being honest, I don't know that I would have because the problem was, is I, I think I just wasn't honest at all with myself. And I remember the show was actually a weird therapeutic thing for me because oh. in the first two weeks, you don't have your phone or anything and they want to know about you. Tell me about like, why are you here? What happened in your last relationship? Things that my whole life, I put the wall up. I don't want to deal with it. Uh -huh. Keep moving forward. It yes. allowed me to be a little bit vulnerable. And that's the reason I tell that story is because I think we live in a life where we're always trying to put on an image. We go to Thanksgiving coming up here and we talk to our family. How's work? It's great. I'm doing well. I get promoted. We're trying to be something bigger than we, we are. And we're trying to put on an image that may not be true. And I think the sooner you're vulnerable with like yourself and you can peel the sit back and be like, let's just be honest. I'm not happy and identify what is it? What you have to identify like what it is. Is it money? Is it that you're not getting, you know, you're not utilizing your skill set? Is it your boss? Is it the company? And I think the quicker that we could be vulnerable, like with our own feelings and stop trying to put up this front, the quicker we can identify what the problem is and then find a solution to put yourself in the right position. And I talk about like restarting your career, your identity and your path. And uh, I think detours, while people look at them as a hiccup or a challenge, are a beautiful thing and they can lead you down a path that could just be absolutely incredible. And with your restart videos, which are going to be so very well received, because it's right in the sweet spot where so many people need help, um, how are you going to find uh, a way to make money on that? It's not such an easy thing to make money on videos from what I've seen in the business. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a good question. So it's, not it's like difficult. like a salary from the boss who's coming in every single week, which is kind of nice in a way, right? That is nice. That is nice. Um, so the way we've done it is we've done it in several ways. One is through sponsorship. So we've been able to lock up some really key sponsors, uh, Lavazza, Aspirations, State Farm Insurance. So mm -hmm. some solid ones. Um, in addition to that, we got a uh, started this in March and got a two book series with HarperCollins. So That's um, since yeah. in March, since the pandemic hit? since the pandemic hit in March. So that's, I mean, Barbara, that's what really started the whole thing. So I have this platform from The Bachelor and I'm mm -hmm. trying, I leave the bank after, I, right after the show, I worked for a full year. So I was doing this weird thing where I'd be 
meeting with the CFO and jumping into a conference room on a FaceTime with freaking Ryan Seacrest. Like, what the yes. hell's going on? You could did it for a year. So I did it for a year. And then I was like, I'm, I, the other side of the business is picking up with social media. And so you say to yourself, what can you do? Well, the pandemic hit, it was March. And so the Dow is plummeting, the S&P is plummeting. I think 34% of global markets lost their value in 27 days. So I put out a little feeler to my audience. I said, guys, I'm curious. It's actually girls. It's, it's 97% women, 18 to 44. I believe and I say, it. Yeah. I say, I say that because it gives you a context of the demographic. I say, could you explain to me what the Dow Jones is in three to four sentences? It's on every headline. And of that, I put a survey out. Over 250,000 people responded. What percentage of them do you think said, I can, I can tell you high level what the Dow Jones is? I would say 5%, maybe. Yeah. So it was 9%. Oh. And so that's, you know, that's where it was eye-opening for me. I'm like, there's so many things we need to know that we just aren't taught in the classroom. That's how Restart all started. So we started in March. And since then, we have uh, 84,000 followers or 87,000 followers on Instagram. That's remarkable. Yeah. And we have 20,000 newsletter subscribers. We have a two-book deal that we signed. We're wow. just about to close a podcast, which is awesome. We, so we launched merch in the last month, sold out in a couple hours. And we have consulted over 50 uh, small businesses, 1,000 people. Wow. And we also uh, have a membership coming out here in a couple of weeks. So mm-hmm. it's been surprisingly a nice way to monetize. And I think if you, if you have the audience and you have something you're passionate about doing, mm-hmm. I thought for a long time, maybe it's not worth doing, but just give it a shot. You never know how things can manifest. So Jason, help me with that a little bit on the money side of things. Uh, Mm -hmm. How many followers and how many eyeballs you get to see it as a directly proportion to what money you get in from a sponsor? Yeah. So what's fascinating. Yeah. Yes. So what's fascinating about social media and and I want to give a little backstory here. Mm -hmm. And the backstory is I get off the show and Here's this business I don't know shit about. I don't know anything about social media. But I started to be aware real quickly. That's hard Wait a to second. Believe. Wow. Well, that's a hello, how do you do, huh? Being it was a hello, show. how do you do? It was, I had no idea. A lot of, that's a funny thing. A lot of these guys on the show now, they're like models or NFL players. They know what they're, I had, I'm yeah, a yeah. Buffalo banker guy. I don't know what the hell I'm doing. So I quickly learned though. I'm like, wait a second. I get off the show and this, and I'm, I'm fully disclosing this for the purpose of transparency and honesty. Like one club is like, Hey, come drink and do a meet and greet. We'll pay a thousand dollars. And then the club next door is like, we'll pay you $10,000. Wow. Or then this one place will be like, we'll pay you, you know, these agents come to you. We're going to get you to sell a weighted blanket. Okay. If you post it, I'm going to pay you five grand. And this other agent comes to me and says, well, if you post it, I'll pay you 15 grand. I started to realize there are some like massive inefficiencies of what's going on. Second of all, why the hell am I posting a weighted blanket, which I did and I'll never do again. But my point is, is there's a learning curve. And I have now become my own agent for social media deals. Um, But that being said, I think, you know, this is a perspective on social media marketing. It's not going anywhere. And the reason it's not going anywhere is we look at billboards, we look at commercials. It's all to, to, to actually put an ROI on that is very subjective. With social media deals right now, you can see your total impressions. You can see how many people purchased, how many people swiped up, how many people looked at it, how many people clicked, right? So it is so objective. Um, and so that's, uh, it's, a, it's a market that's not going anywhere. And, um, you know, that's one thing that at Restart, we are constantly focusing on. Like, what are our numbers? What are we doing? And how are we improving them? And what strategies can we implement to increase visibility? Odds, I didn't predict, but the election was right. But within the five-day period, 
Wow. Our Instagram account, which has 87,000 followers, had over 4 million impressions. Unbelievable. So, yeah, Smart. doing things like that to be innovative. Well, it looks like you're catching up on learning the social media space. I'm not worried about you one bit, right? <laughs> I'm getting there. I'm getting there. Let's take a short break to talk about a company I love. Now let's get back to the show. I was watching you on Bachelorette. I was thinking, what a heartthrob. And for the first uh, first little bit of it, I wasn't sure you were going to really make an impact. And then you got really strong at the end of it. Seems like everybody got sweet on you at the same point in time. What were you doing differently? I couldn't put my hand on it. But all of a sudden, you were the crowd favorite. You know, the, the funny part about that is, uh, you know, I tell my boss, I'm going on this TV show. I tell my family, I tell my friends, and I'm gone for three months. No one can find me. And then I come back and like, what happened? And I tell my close family and friends, I came in third. I'm like, I got the bronze medal. I got dumped before the fantasy. Great. So they're like, you know what? Way to go, Jason. We thought you'd be gone night one. <laughs> but then the, sh- the show comes on and it's like week two. And I'm like, my boss is like, so were you lying to me or were you on this TV show? Cause I have not seen you oh, once. <laughs> and I mean, the first six weeks I was pretty much non-existent. Um, and I think the whole idea with that is with, with, with a show, with business, with anything that I'm doing, I think the two things that I, I can relate back to that I did is one, I was patient. You've got to know your surroundings and like what you're doing. People get so caught up in this and they forget you're on a damn TV show and you signed up to be one of 30 freaking studs dating one girl do you not think it's going to be a shit show it's going to be so you got to just be patient and understand your surrounding that's one thing i did the second thing i did which i am really happy about is i was just relentlessly myself in the fact that in tv in production as you know they got got to drive ratings and you got to do the, the things to continue to be renewed and so they do crazy stuff. Let's pe- put people in costumes. Let's have them strip. Let's have them do all this. And for me, I was like, I'm not doing that shit. Wait, <laughs> like, you, I, say that? you were able to say, yeah, I'm not going there. I did. And, really? and so I think that is what, if you look back on it, like why did things turn out? Well, I think cause I was just relentlessly myself because I was like, oh. I won't do that. And if that's, I think they knew that I was the kind of person they didn't put me in those many pressure situations. But I was like, if I'm, if that's what you want and she's not into me, then I'll just go home. Like I, I think you, you can't be afraid to fold sometimes in life. And for me, I think just saying that I'm going to, no matter what, just be me and stay mm-hmm. within my lane uh, allowed, I guess that to come through on TV and create, um, uh, you know, a life changing, life changing experience. Yeah. I always find that people really will accept anything. If someone's themselves, even if it doesn't look so good, they are generally like someone who's genuine, but the idea mm-hmm. that you were able to do that in the television space, when you weren't a professional actor, you were not a performer, uh, right. that you would have the, I think it would just take confidence more than anything else to stay the course and be yourself. So you came exactly. in with a lot of confidence, right? That's a good point. Confidence and a lot of, I think, security, just saying, mm-hmm. if this doesn't work out, I'm going to go back to my life. And I think having kind of, you know, a, a just an insurance plan and knowing that things were okay, I didn't need this. Where I saw people do something. I mean, there's a guy in our season, I feel like they would come up with an idea and he'd be like, I'm going. He showed up to one rose ceremony and he, he yes. was wearing, I think it was pink underwear and, oh, pink, and a pink robe. I'm like, what? and there's a picture of me literally just like, 
you got to be shitting me. Like, no <laughs> way this is happening. He was like the house clown, right? He was I the house room, clown. Before you left your banking job. I don't know if it's true, but yeah, you can mm -hmm. tell me if it's true. I heard that yeah. you had asked for a raise. Your boss said no. Then you went on. Mm -hmm. Your show became famous. You came back. They offered to triple the raise and you turned them away and left. Is that true? Or did I? Yeah. So there is, yeah. yeah, there is some, there's some truth to that. So, um, what's interesting is, you know, with the bank after, um, being on the show, I went at my own risk mm -hmm. and then they welcomed me back with open arms. Um, and so I, I imagine the following me... you would have, my God, they should <laughs> open their arms on that one. They welcomed me back with open arms and there's some, I'm, I'm in the process of, of writing the book. Um, and the first book is all, it's called restart. And the whole idea is about the hiring and firing process and finding detours. And so we're, I'm going to open up in the book about how things kind of came to a head, uh, in, my corporate America role and what I had to do to get outside the lines. But specifically with the raise, what happened was there was one point at the bank where I needed to get back home and there wasn't an opportunity to get back home. So I found a job in software sales and I was absolutely killing it for a nine month period. Mm -hmm. Well, then nine months later, the bank in that city hired me back at a rate that was about was roughly around like 180% of what wow. I was making before. So in nine months, same bank, just leaving for nine months and performing wow. at another company, and it was about 180% raise. And you think about at your company, when they tell you the two, 3% raise, right? The, the standard by the book, how long would it take for you to get an 180% raise if you're just going by the curriculum? So You'd be it goes back to breaking the blueprint. Right? <laughs> exactly. Do you believe when a boss says to you things like, uh, it's not in the budget, we're not giving raises, do you believe that's ever true? Or is that a party line that keeps people in check so that they don't get paid more? I think it's a complete party line, right? I think if you're bringing value to the company, you need to find ways to make sure that you're getting paid for what you deserve. And if you're not, and you don't think that's in place, I encourage anyone and everyone to look outside. Because I just think there are so many systems that have worked and been effective uh, for profitability. And one of those systems that have been in place uh, that has worked is creating this textbook. We don't have the budget yeah. or sorry, our pool, our bonus pool is not as Somebody's big. Somebody's getting the bonus. Yeah. Someone's getting it. So where's it going? Yeah, and yeah. so I think, you know, and you, and you can look at st statistics and specifically women, uh, not asking for raises, the percentages are less than 10 on an annual basis. Like mm. all the information needs to get out there and that needs to change. Mm. Um, and I think um, that system needs to be broken. Do you want to hear something odd? I hired thousands of people in my career, managers, mm -hmm. people, employees, support staff. And in my entire life, I had three women ask for a raise. And I probably wow. had hundreds and hundreds of men. Women don't ask for raises. That's what I've concluded I would get ahead of my women and give them raises before they had to ask. So that helped a lot. But a woman never comes in to ask for a raise. What, do you, what is that about? Most of the people listening to you are females. What do you say to them mm -hmm. about getting out there and asking for a raise? And how do they go about it? I, I think, I don't know exactly. It's tough to generalize why that is, but it's, it's, to me, it's very frustrating. I think it mm -hmm. comes down to information. It's coming down to knowing what is actually happening behind the line item of, 
we don't have a budget or this is what the company is saying. I think we as consumers, no matter what, if you're purchasing or you're at work or whatever you're doing, we need to dig deep and understand the model in which ways are working and how it's working. Mm -hmm. And so for me, I just think that it comes down to education and communication skill and having, I think we already talked about it, but the confidence, the confidence Mm -hmm. to say, I'm showing up every day, I'm creating value, but I'm not being paid for it. And so that can't be inequitable. You got to show up. You got to ask for what you deserve, and you got to do it in the right manner. Um, but uh, it's it's uh, it's really it's got to change. It's got to change. And you're going to help people on your videos with all these kinds of issues, not just understanding the larger picture of what a Dow Jones is, but how they can uh, use the information to better themselves. Is that your goal on that? Very practical advice. Yep. So it's practical advice that you can implement everyday life. And we just created actually a 20, um, it's a 20 system model and it's all about personal finance management. So we talk about certain things like improving your credit score, eliminating your debt, restructuring your debt, understanding your budget. We've created a color coded system so that you can understand exactly how much you're spending as you as it relates to your income and so this system and this model hopefully will really help clean people's personal financial situation up so that's one of our focuses but our main pillars are really just career navigation and personal financial management so anything that we can do uh to help individuals further understand uh you know their finances and how to make decisions and even we we created a uh, refinance model so you can put in your mortgage and what you're paying and so that you can understand the full picture right like your pmi all the details all the fees and it's a decision tool it will tell you yes or no refinance or not based on the structure that you're being offering so um really just breaking things down for the consumer to understand so they're in a better position financially Jason, how are people going to take you so seriously? Like I'm thinking of Jason, mm-hmm. the heartthrob that every girl <laughs> in America fell in love with and wanted to be loved back. And now you're positioning yourself as a financial guru. Was it hard for you to cross over that bridge and be taken seriously? I think so. But at the same token, I think that through this whole process, whether I was 21 working at the bank, I was 26 mm-hmm. getting my MBA or I'm here, you know, in my thirties after a reality show, the one thing that's remained consistent is who I am, my acumen and what I'm trying to do. And so I think that, um, you know, you have to establish credibility and I've established credibility. I've lent over $150 million to companies. I've invested over a couple million dollars in companies. I built some and I worked in corporate America for 10 years, relocating my whole life several times. So within that time and, and also being exposed to this whole crazy world of reality TV and Hollywood and social media management and marketing. So I think the idea is to establish credibility and also prove yourself through execution. And that's what we're doing. That's what we're doing with the models. And the other thing I've learned is that, you know, I don't have to be the smartest guy in the room. I don't have to know everything, but if I can build a team that is, we can do it effectively. So when I talk about a 20, a 20 model system that we've built, I have CFAs on this. I have CPAs on this. I have attorneys on this. And we've built a team that have, uh, you know, expertise and credibility in all different areas. So um, I think it's about team building and also staying honest and just uh, continuing to be consistent. Okay, now let's move on to your your most beautiful girlfriend. (laughs) I think she could do better than you myself. That's my opinion. (laughs) You've already told me that, Barbara. I know, but I'm telling you again. I'm just restating (laughs) it because I really believe she could. Uh, but when, <laughs> who would you, what would you recommend for her? Uh, oh, God. Somebody a little older, like five okay. years or so. Someone mm. really rich. <laughs> really, really How rich, rich are we talking? Okay. 
and so that you could be her friend and stuff, you know, on the side. But no, she needs an older guy, I think, in my opinion. But I'll let her choose who she wants. And you know, she broke the other engagement up. Are you worried about? I know you're thinking of getting engaged. I hope you're ring shopping, and I hope it's bigger than her first ring. But are you worried she's going to walk away? Come on, that's what would be on my mind. <laughs> Barbara, I I love the way you break me down and keep you know you, you it's like it's a wild roller coaster. My tires my tires get me. pumped and then they get broken. No, nope, <laughs> not we are good. We are solid. I I loved when you sent me the be aware of Keo. So yes. you know, gotta make gotta make your enemies close. Keo and I are boys. <laughs> and no, He's things harmless. Are, things are these are what things are going really well. Uh, so we are here in. Um, Obviously, we're here for Dancing with the Stars, and I'm working full time out of out of our Dance with the Stars location. Things are going really well, and uh, all that insight and advice you gave regarding, you know, the ring and everything else. I would say the good news is all those boxes are checked, so we oh, got those taken care of. Right. I don't want to disappoint you. She's an aggressive I got woman. She's gonna have high expectations, you know. Yeah, oh, I know. What happened? I know. When was it true that when you went on her podcast that you had an ear infection and you almost didn't go? It was, an eye, infection. Oh, it was an, eye an eye infection. Oh, an eye infection. I literally yes, had a sty on my eye. I'm oh, like, yeah. I can't go. I can't yeah. do that. How am I going to meet that? This so is a bombshell. Why'd you go? I said, screw it. Like, why yeah. not? Like you know what I mean? Yeah. Why? Just like, let's give it a shot. I actually was a little nervous. So I went to the bar. Right, so I was working. It was like four o'clock. There was a bar right around the corner. I went there. I got two shots of tequila and I went in there and gave it hell. So it all went well. And then it went well. And how did it happen? You just said, thanks for having me. And what do you say, babe? You want to go out tonight? How do you take that situation? Just get something going. Come on. Let's hear the line. Let's hear the line. Well, you know, <laughs> I love that. I think, you know, it's, we just had natural banter. So I grew up Buffalo. It's right across the border from Canada. A ton of my friends were Canadian. Played hockey my whole life. And Caitlin's Canadian. So the thing about Canadians, the majority of them, is they can, they can go chirp for chirp, battle for battle, the wit, they have good uh, sense of humor. So we were just like, we met and it was just the chemistry. You can listen to the podcast. In my opinion, the chemistry was fire. And, you know, as per this discussion, in my opinion, it was fire. So I was in the friend zone for a few months, Barbara, but I broke that friend zone down. We ripped it down. We ripped the wall down. And ever since then, uh, almost almost two years later, two years in January, we've been, uh, we've been going strong. Good for you. Thanks. Thank God you ripped the damn wall down. Don't you think? Yeah. Oh, I'll tell you what, you got to chip away at that friend zone. Friend zone's tough to get out of. Oh, sure it is. Yeah. Cause nobody <laughs> really wants to take the chance of something like that, but how's it going? You've been going out, you've been living together, I think what, seven months or so. Yeah, so well, we've been living in, in Nashville together for over a year now. So it was June of 2019, I moved in. And so it's, uh, you know, moving i would always recommend move in with someone first you know that's a learning curve did you find that was a big adjustment most people really do they see Huge what's adjustment. difficult about it what was difficult for you to getting together on a day-to-day -day basis both of you very aggressive both of you very good looking very successful everybody watching rooting for you uh, what goes on when you move in with somebody like that and you go okay well here we are do you become regular people and what struggles did you have if yeah any, i think the biggest yeah, yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, the first month of moving in, we had a ton of struggles. I mean, it's like it's it's you go from seeing each other on the weekends like a honeymoon thing. Let's date, yes, have so much fun, yes. and then you you have to understand like how you live, what your schedules are, you know, what expectations are for finances and cleaning and what you're doing, and and we both have such strong personalities. 
So that's one thing with Caitlin and I. We learned quickly that if we do not communicate effectively, it will never work because we're both stubborn and we're hard nosed. And so you got to take any conversation, what I say in relationship or business and bring the ego down and communicate with logic. And so if you're trying to fight every battle and win every battle because your ego to make yourself feel good, you're only going to be left empty handed looking foolish. Mm -hmm. And so in my opinion, we lead our conversations now with, with principle. We try and not let his, if we're going to have a blow up fight, let's have a blow up fight. There's nothing wrong with the blow up fight. There's nothing wrong with the disagreement. In my opinion, it's how you communicate after that disagreement that could mm -hmm. avoid history repeating itself. And again, that goes again, business or relationships. And so I think in the beginning it was tough, but we, we came through and, um, you know, also what was tough is there was two, two scenarios which were tough. When we first moved in, make or break, and it made us. The second thing was COVID. I mean, you're traveling so wow, much. Yes. We have events and speaking stuff and all this stuff going on. And then all of a sudden, 24 seven, mm. you're with each other. And so I think the beginning part of COVID was like a really another time for us where we were like struggling. We're like, whoa. And so what's nice about COVID too, is you spend so much time together, it almost accelerates your relationship. It's a make or break. You have, you have a month together, 24 seven, which over a long period of time in a normal life circumstance is probably mm -hmm. equivalent to like three, four months. Yes. And so everything was magnified. And I think at the end, this whole pandemic has put us in a stronger position. And I think we just know each other as well as we ever can and what we want out of life. Uh, and, um, it's, it's honestly an awesome relationship. It's amazing. It really is. Lucky, lucky for you both. Um, yeah. I'm wondering at what point in your living together and disagreeing with something, name anything, uh, yeah. at what point do you say, hold it, let's regroup, let's have an honest discussion. When I was married to my first husband and I mm -hmm. left him after seven years almost to the itch, um, I never had an argument. I didn't like a lot, but I didn't say a word. Now with my second husband for 30 some odd years, we fight like cats and dogs. And I don't think <laughs> either is necessarily a good formula, except maybe the second is better because we've been together so long. But what <laughs> point do you like say, let's regroup. I want this, you want that. Uh, who's gonna win here? We've got big egos, what do we do? Do you do that immediately? Call it out, that's it. And you discuss it, is it that peaceful? No, it's, I mean, it's not. <laughs> so you go I too think, far and think about it later and then regroup and say, I'm sorry, I hurt you. I wasn't really thinking I didn't speak up. Da, 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 da. You know, I, I think what kind of what I alluded to earlier is like, we, we would, I would fight with an ego early on. And then I learned that there's mm. no reason for that. So I would only create, I try to only create tension if it's something that's like a principle or like a character thing that like, like it's a, it's a make or break. Like we need to just talk about this. this isn't something about me winning the battle. This is a bigger issue that so needs to be discussed. Way, it's not what color couch you're going to be uh, moving into your new living room. What would be an example of a big enough thing that you'd say it's that's not ego, it's principle here? Yeah. Um, that's a really, really good one. So I think, um, so, okay, here's a good one for you, Barbara. I'm so there was, it, what's that? I'm going to buy it. Yeah. <laughs> so we, no, this, yeah, yeah I mean, no, I, I, okay. I'm not a great liar, but we, we get into this world of, kind of opening everything up, right? We open our world up on social media and podcasts. And so there was a scenario in which, you know, Caitlin on her podcast has these confessions and she oh. told a confession about our relationship that was a little behind the, the doors type conversation. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's out private. there. It's you, about you, our, it was our private. first hookup. It was our first hookup story. It was oh. out there. I'm dying and to so, hear it. I'm going to look it up. 
Yeah, go have a blast. And so anyway, that article got sent to my grandfather and and it got sent to him uh, with a nasty note from one of his friends. And so like that, that's an example of like a principle, like discussion we need to have, like we need to create, we live in open world, but we have to create lines in the sand of what is and is not acceptable Mm. and things like that, you know, like they can lead to discussions and fights. And I put like, that's the thing, like no matter what, I won't back down on that. That's Mm. something like this is, there are certain scenarios, there's lines in the sand that need to be put in place so that this does not repeat itself. So that created that. Now, I think in any circumstance or fight or discussion or anything like that, the biggest thing and what I love about Caitlin, what I absolutely love about Caitlin is Caitlin gets emotional up front. She gets, you know, like any human, she, she, she wears her heart on her sleeve and she's emotional. But once the dust settles, both of us totally can speak logically to each other and we're both self-aware and can admit when one another's wrong. And so I think like that's a huge good. component. So you're going to have kids. That's what everybody wants to know. I asked a lot of my fans, what do you want to know? Are they going to have kids? Are they going to have kids? I know I'm pushing the envelope. Are you going to have kids? Yeah. Yeah. We're going to have kids. So we, it's about that time, you know, it fits in. What do you think? We, we talk about it often. We think we're going to have two kids and I think, let's see. So it's 2020. I think by 20, 2023, we have two kids, two little wow. Bristol Tardics running around. Wow. That's I my guess. We, two dogs, two kids. Life will be good. We'll have it all locked up so I don't have to worry about her going after an older, rich guy. And it'll be a beautiful <laughs> thing. It'll be a beautiful thing. <laughs> those rich guys, those old rich guys could still have kids. So buyer beware there, you know? <laughs> ah, shit. You know yeah, what? <laughs> um, I'm not worried about you. You're too darn good looking. You're too darn smart. Oh, and you're too darn focused sweet. on which way you want to go. So I think it's uh, really amazing. Uh, oh, she's got you. herself a catch. I was kidding earlier. You've got no, yourself a catch. I'm very, very happy for you. And I really appreciate you being here. Oh, thank you so much. This is a pleasure. Always is. Okay. And I'm supposed awesome. to ask you, where do people find you on social media? Where do they find everything you're doing? Yep. So you could find me at Instagram, Jason underscore Tardic. And then for restart, we are restart underscore reset. We're also on uh, YouTube and TikTok and Twitter. So on any of those, and if you want to reach out, you have questions, thoughts, shoot us an email at restart at jasontardic.com. Okay. That's everything. The whole world awesome. is there. Okay. We're Thank going. You. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Barbara. Okay. Good to see you. Nice to see you Take too. Care. And that's all we have time for today. If you have a question, leave me a voicemail on the Business Unusual hotline, 888-BARBARA. That's 888-B-A-R-B-A-R-A. You can also tweet it to me at Barbara Corcoran, and I may just answer it on a future episode. You've been listening to Business Unusual with me, Barbara Corcoran. Come back next week to hear more steps and missteps I took on the path to success. Search and follow Business Unusual on iHeartRadio or subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts.